ready for Cassie and Henry. Hello. Welcome, Welcome to, to Butler's, Butler's podcast. podcast. <laughs> right, today... I don't know why that's funny. No, result. I don't know. Yeah, Mainly because we try and do it at the same time. Yeah, trying to make each other laugh. <laughs> what are we chatting about today? Goals? Well, today I thought this might be quite useful for people. Um, mainly coming at it from possibly a retailer's point of view, mm-hmm. that when we are in the shop, um, we often get people coming in or customers coming in asking for a particular name of a wine or a region that they've heard of, which most people will have heard of, but they're not entirely sure what it refers to. And also sometimes the price point of these certain wines can put people off as well. Okay. So I thought it might be useful to go through some of the key names that people would ask for or recognise and then some alternatives or some more affordable alternatives where you can get the best bang for your buck. Bang for your buck. <laughs> buck butler's wine bucks. <laughs> so, so they've probably had the, they've tasted a wine somewhere. Or heard of it. And want to retry it. Want to it. go and try it. Or they've heard the name as something that maybe they should try. And then they see what yes. how much it costs, and they put it and back go, on the shelf. And go, oh no, I wasn't expecting an amaroni to cost that much. Okay, but also what that what it means? What mm-hmm. is that wine? So, so what then would it, what would an example be then, Cassie Gold? Well, I've got lots of examples. I'm I've got sure to rein it in. Okay. So shall we start with my sparkling example? Okay. So the first thing would be a champagne. Okay. So if people come in and ask for a champagne, yes. we've got loads of them that yes, are really nice. And there are champagne sold everywhere. So you can get it in a supermarket yes. or another independent merchant or a, wherever you buy your champagne from. We had to go to a supermarket today. Shocking experience. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing that on a the, on the weekend. Because I put you on the checkout you have to do yourself. Horrid. That didn't go very well. <laughs> how to get hands. Butler to lose his rag in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> Put him on a checkout. <laughs> anyway, checkout. champagne. Yep. So, Butler, so, what would justify the price of a champagne? So, champagne isn't cheap, and it's, you shouldn't be buying it if it's cheap. Are you answering your own question there, or are you going to allow me to ask, answer the question? <laughs> Come on, then. Okay. So, champagne is a region. So, the wine wine comes from the region in northern France. Okay. okay. So, it can't be you can't have champagne from anywhere else. You can have sparkling wine from the rest of the world. But champagne is protected as a brand. So that gives it prestige. It's got history. They've been making wine there since, I don't know, at least 150 years. Um, and it's very labour intensive and it's a luxury item. So the, all of the packaging, bottle, glass, wire, cork. foil, cork, and the weight of the glass is, is more expensive. Um, so all of these are add... Uh, costs, high costs to the, the product before it even leaves the winery and is made over a long period of time. So non-vintage champagne minimum year and a half in the winery before it gets released. So that's money tied up. Um, it's labour intensive, but some of the wines could be held back in, in the winery for three, four, five, six plus years. Um, and they will be a blend of different vintages that they've held back. So you've got massive costs of storage, rubbish cash flow time consuming labor intensive it's like ferrari making a ferrari you know, it's <laughs> how much do you detail. know about that zero <laughs> i know they go wrong after about eight miles we won't copy them into the podcast so you you can you can look at it either way though because there's uh lots of big companies there where you spend quite a chunk of 
your the retail price is spent on marketing. Um, there's a cat in the background who has an opinion about big champagne houses. <laughs> and so you, I think you need to be selective. You find a producer that you like. And then if you go to an independent or a shop where you can get assistance, you can say, I like Firth Clicquot because of this. What have you got that's similar? That's always a good starting point, yeah. I'd say. And if it's not such a well-known house... A champagne house is probably not going to be as expensive as a big brand. So, but but you're still looking over twenty pounds. Yeah, and you should at do. least. Yeah, you should do. It should it should be it should be thirty pounds upwards for the for the level of attention and care for a one. Let's assume it's made properly and it's a good one. Yeah, it, it's cost a lot of money to make these things. So, so in a comparison, then what about prosecco? That's the opposite end of the spectrum, and that's made in a different way, where it's made in big tanks quite quickly. So the the the, the main reason of cha- cha- why champagne tastes of champagne is because the wine sits on its what it's called is its lees, which is the sediment in the bottle, and that gives it that sort of yeasty, bready, toasty, autolytic character <laughs> is what they would call it. <laughs> okay. And uh, whereas prosecco, you're not looking for those characteristics; you're wanting fresh fruit. Nice and light and vibrant and easy to drink. And to keep the economies of scale in your favour, you make it in massive tanks in vast quantities really quickly. And most of them. We've most got, of we them. have got a really, yeah, really nice champ- uh, Prosecco, which is over 20 quid as well. Yeah, which is really nice. But that would justify the different price points of what you're looking at. So then alternatives to champagne, because mm-hmm. you might come in and say, I really want champagne oh, that's £35, didn't really want to spend that, where would we point them next? I would go straight to... Oh, you're I'm going straight in. Again, yeah. Okay. To a Cremant or a Carver. Are you? That's where I would point them. Okay. That's, yes. So, Cremant, Butler, mm-hmm. give us a little bit of background of what a Cremant is. Cremant, as a style of wine, was invented in 1975 in France, and it's for sparkling wines that aren't just... Van Musso, which would be your cheapest type of sparkling wine, and they're not champagne. So, but they can apply a region to it. So you could have Cremant de Bourgogne. Where does that come from? Burgundy. Okay. Cremant d'Alsace, <laughs> Cremant de Loire. And they're made in the same way as champagne, but the land isn't as expensive. So the vineyards don't cost as much. So, so making champagne, the vineyards are like the equivalent of Knightsbridge or Mayfair. If you make a wine in, in London, in Loire, it's it's be the equivalent of something else, Brighton. So it's already Brighton's Champions too expensive, League. Actually, yeah. Yeah, it's too expensive. But it's your land. Your starting costs are cheaper, and you don't have the the, the prestige and the history so much that people that commands a price. Um, but the level of winemaking is is as good as I would and say. The production method is exactly the same. Exactly the same. And the grape varieties are the same in, Bo- uh, in Burgundy as Champagne. But if you go to the Loire, they might use Chenin Blanc instead of Chardonnay, or they might use Cabernet Franc in- instead of Pinot Noir. Alsace might use some of the ar- aromatic varieties. They so, use Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, Pinot Gris. Yeah, and Cremant d'Alsace doesn't taste like Champagne. Um, well, no, because they're using sure. different grapes. Yeah. But you could seek out, I'd go Cremant de Bourgogne. If you're looking for a Champagne, then go straight for a Cremant de Bourgogne. Yes, and I think the the main point would be it would be a quality wine, a quality sparkling wine, for half the price of a champagne. And Carver as well. I think Carvers are fantastic. Yeah, really good. And you can get a Carver at ten pounds, which is 
was really good quality. So Carver Karen, is just about, yeah. Yeah, just now. Yeah. But then I mean they're not crazy money. So you could definitely get sub fifteen and get really good value Carver. And that that is made in exactly the same way as champagne yes. as well. But they use indigenous grape varieties from Spain. So it doesn't taste like champagne. I think if you can get up to fifteen pounds in the that fifteen to twenty bracket, which people don't tend to buy in that bracket with Carver, I think you, you get massive rewards. I think they're they're really good at mm-hmm. that level. Um, some of the the cheaper ones can be a little bit thin, a little bit acidic sometimes. But you find again, you find the ones that you like, and then find a good producer from a local independent merchant. Exactly. But good advice, good tips. Yeah, there okay. we go. Where, so where next? So the next one that I think we get asked for a lot. Um, What's that, Cassie? Is Sancerre. Okay. What's that? Sancerre is a place in the Loire Valley in France. It is. <laughs> So Sancerre, again, like, um, which is typical of, of many French wines, we, we're not just talking about French wines today, are we? Or are we? No, we're not. No. Um, it is, they, they name the wines after the village or the area that they come from rather than the grape variety or rather than the producer. So Sancerre is a, is a, is a, a region in eastern Loire where it bends round, sort of heading towards uh, Chablis and northern Burgundy. Um, and there are two, I think there are two types of Sancerre. So this is quite important because it's worth asking which one's which. What Some of them can be very light if they're on lighter soil, uh, grown on lighter soil, they're light, aromatic, quite floral, very, very delicate. And then when they're grown on richer soil, like a clay-based soil, they can be really quite powerful and, and rich. And Sancerre is always made from Sauvignon Blanc. Has, has to be 100% Sauvignon Blanc. If it's the white, and what's it made of from the red? Pinot Noir. It, it is. You're trying to catch me out now. So what are you going to say is the alternative to that then? Well, I would go. We've got, we have these wines in stock all of the time and we import some. Called Cotto de Genois. Okay. Or something like that. <laughs> yes, that's a village near to Sancerre. Doesn't um, sell as much because the word's way too long and, and no one wants to ask for it. But it is made in the same way, similar soil, very similar geography, less famous producers Blanc. there. Yeah, always Sauvignon Blanc Always as well. Sauvignon Blanc, tends to be on oats. That would be a good alternative. Also, you might be able to find some good producers in the Loire who maybe make a Sauvignon Blanc, but they make a more everyday, um, like a, a wine that would be just called a, a table wine made from Sauvignon Blanc, which might be from their vineyards that are not in the area of Sancerre. So if they're not Terrain. in... Yeah, exactly. You could do that. But if they're not in Sancerre, geographically, you cannot put Sancerre on your label. All of the fruit has no, to come No, but the closest place. place would probably be Cote de Genois. Yeah, Menetou you... Salon, Cancy as well. Um, they're a little bit cheaper. If, if Sancerre was... was 20. 20, then, then Genois would be 15, something like that. Yeah. So a small saving, but worth looking out yeah. for. And yeah. great wines. You can yeah, get some really, really, really good quality. Wines. Yeah, I think for the price. We don't choose to drink a lot of Sauvignon Blanc, but the, when you when it's made really, really well, it's it's delicious. Yeah, now it's asparagus season as well. Would be good. Good, good pairing. Cheese as well. Very nice. good pairing. Where next? Okay, now we're we're staying so in, we're staying in France, but we're moving on to the red wines because oh, it's another one that we get asked for quite often. Um, is uh, Gevrey Chambertin or Nuit Saint Georges? Okay. 
So often disappointing, very expensive, <laughs> but can be very memor- memorable and delicious. Two places in Burgundy, very prestigious, make wines that will are 100% Pinot Noir, tend to be oaked, tend to be the more powerful styles of, of Burgundy on the reds and would age 10, 20 years, no problem from the right producer. So they're both from but Burgundy. They're both from Burgundy, two different villages. And they um, are expensive. They tend to be really expensive. Quantities are tiny compared to wines from other parts of the, of the world. And you can get some really good aged bottles. If you can afford them, yeah. Yeah. So as an alternative to those, you can look for a Bourgogne. So something labelled a Bourgogne Rouge. Yes, that would be made. So if you if you had a particular... Uh, if you found that you liked Chevry Chambertin by... Mademoiselle Cassie Gould. <laughs> Who then, wouldn't like that? Well, could be a little bit mean and lean, but it's <laughs> overpriced. But if you if Angry. you looked at the the range of wines that that she made, she would probably make uh, a Bourgogne Pinot Noir, which would be from her young vines that she didn't feel were um, good enough quality to go into the main wine. But that would be a fraction of the price or from neighbouring areas as well. There are so many different villages in, in Burgundy and some are not so fashionable, like Montfilly or uh, Marange, Ozy Duress. Mercury. They're, they're not Mercury, it's a good one. They're not all the same as Gevry Chambertin, but you're sort of in the ballpark and they are more affordable and sometimes more accessible when young, so a bit prettier. And we've got, I was thinking we've got some really good Pinots from the Languedoc as well which is a yes. different region, but you can get really good value. If you like the grape variety Pinot Noir and you find a producer that you like, yes. you could certainly get led into a different um, region of, of a similar style. And I, th- I think what's also important is that with something like Chevrolet Chambertin, which is a wine that is made to, to age and develop, and for you to keep it, most people won't keep it. They'll buy it when it's first released and drink it. And it's not going to always show its true colours. So either decant it for about a day or something silly or stick some away and try it again in five years' time, ten years' time, if you can, if, if that's your bag. It's not most people's bag, though, no. is it really? We've got, we've got a cheap one in stock, which is about 12 quid, which we sell to a celebrity. We're allowed to say who keeps buying it. <laughs> I don't know, probably not. <laughs> Let's just keep taking she's on a, a she's on a big baking show. But she, the um it's it's worth pointing out though that the, the Burgundy in recent years have had terrible trouble with the weather, particularly frost, and that has damaged the the high percentages of the, the potential crops. So the quantities are so small. Um it's it, and the supply the demand is so high. It's, it's, it's forced prices up and, you know, the, these producers need to get some income as well. It's, it's been quite threatening to some of the businesses. So it's, it's, it's a, a challenging one for the consumer, I think, because it, it's quite hard to get affordable examples. But Bourgogne Rouge and Blanc would be a good starting point. Indeed. Okay, we're moving on. We're staying in France. We're going south. Okay. Which we have covered Chateauneuf de Pape in last week's last month's episode yeah it feels like a long time ago actually oh um but i thought people ask for it quite a lot i think they aren't quite sure what it is come in and ask for it and then we say yeah that's 40 quid or that's 50 quid for this one and they think whoa i wasn't expecting to pay that much 
Yes. So you, you it's a southern red um, blend around the, the Grenache grape. People tend to like it because they can be quite big and ballsy and like a, almost like a new well wine. And so it's big flavour, packs a punch, high alcohol. Um, but the alternatives would be Cote de Rhone from a good producer, much cheaper. And there's plenty of really good ones or neighbouring villages like Chagondas, Rasto, Vacara, um, which aren't quite as famous as Chateauneuf de Pat, but are made in exactly the same way and have a more affordable price tag. But definitely well, well worth looking out for some of those because they will be in the, say, the 10 to... Cote de Rome Rome start 10 to 15. Then the villages would be 15 to 20. Yeah. And then the Chateauneufs, 40-ish. A little bit more, 30, 40, 50. You can always get cheaper examples, but so often when you then drink them, it feels like the the savings they've made have been in taste and body and flavour. You want to find a good producer, I think. think And if you find a good producer, they often make... All of those different styles as well. So they'll have a Cote de Rhone, then they'll have a Gigondas, and then they'll have a Chateauneuf. They often will. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So if you find a producer that you really like, but you don't want to spend that money, yeah, come in, get a Cote de Rhone. Okay, job done. Nice one. Are we going to leave France? At any We're point leaving or France. We're going to your favourite region now. Are we? Where's that then? Piemonte. It is indeed. So Oosh. people would come in and they'd say, "I really want a Barolo for lunch." Do you now? <laughs> say really. Yeah. <laughs> and then you say, okay, that this one's £53, this one's 40 yeah. and they're not quite, I don't think that's quite what they were hoping to spend. No, Barolo, very, very um, famous region in Italy. You'd probably fly to Turin or Milan and then drive, drive there, really lovely. Um, amazing place. Lots of different styles of Barolo. So again, named after the, the place it comes from, always made out of the Nebbiola grape, which is very tannic, um, quite aromatic and drops its colour quite quickly. So it looks quite old quite quickly. But there are sort of two different camps. One is a big spicy, coffee, deep, rich type of Barolo. And the other style is, is a bit more elegant, floral, Roses. Roses. Get a lot of rose. roses and tar are the, the key words for Barolo. Um but delicious. But if you you can also buy wines from that are made from the the uh Nebbiolo grape, which would be called Lange or Lange Nebbiolo, which come from the broader area, not just the specific area of Barolo, but made by a Barolo producer. And they can be really delicious and quite fruity and quite easy to drink compared to a Barolo, which could be a bit grippy and challenging. Um, so it's a good way to ease yourself into... Very much so. Or Nebbiolo. You, or you could try different grape varieties like Barbera and Dolcetto, which are a little bit... They're less robust, but really juicy. Lovely purity of fruit, really well made from lots... The same as Burgundy, the, a, a Barolo producer will probably make a Barbera wine or a Dolcetto wine. Um Nice wines. Yeah, delicious. Okay, we are staying in Italy then. And we're going to the Veneto area. Okay. And the next one that I think people Crazy ask cats. for a lot as well is Amaroni. Okay. And they say, I would like an Amaroni for breakfast. You say, okay. no, you don't. 17%. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they do. 
Why not? <laughs> It'll take you down. Yeah. So Amarone is a style of wine, not a, a place. So that's slightly different, um, but it is quite well known. And again, it's well known probably because the the delicious are quite big, alcoholic, Boozy, powerful. Yeah. These yeah these seem to be the popular wines, don't they? Um, made in the Veneto, Italian grape varieties, mainly the Corvina grape. Um, but with Amarone, they dry the grapes for a uh, hundred days, typically, which concentrates the sugars and uh, gets rid of some of the water and then you ferment that completely dry that's why it's so so strong quite velvety but you could have a baby amarone would be called a ripasso which they uh, make a normal valpolicella i was going to say you'd be looking valpolicella they come from valpolicella which is a region in the veneto it is and ripasso would be like a a diet amarone they'll ferment the valpolicella with the skins and the the the, the rubbish from the um the amarone <laughs> wine the pulp the the pomace and that gives it a bit more uh, richness and roundness and these are very different to basic valpolicella which is light fruity but they tend to be blended so they're blended with other grapes they are blended they're really wines. good summer wines actually but amarone i believe is more of a digestif I think that you have a glass at the end of a meal. It's a yeah. kind of, I don't think you, well, I'm sure lots of people do it and I'm sure it's absolutely lovely when you neck a couple of bottles at lunchtime and then conk out afterwards. If that's your thing, then that, <laughs> it is good, isn't it? And like all, all good intentions, it's all very well saying you're going to share a bottle of Amarone as a DHSD, but <laughs> if it's really nice, you'll want another one, won't you, probably? Well, I think that's the thing. You get a really nice, rich and chocolatey and it's delicious. Yeah. But they would work really well with cheese as well. If you were having cheese, just some cheese or dark charcuterie. Yeah. would be nice and the idea is that you could get a bottle so you could splash out and get a bottle and have a glass each between four or six of you yeah you could share the cost couldn't you and so then you get to try something really good again in. get a really good producer or you can get a decent repasso for 10 to 15 quid yes and yes, drink can. the whole bottle yourself i was just thinking the, th- <laughs> the theme be- behind all of this really is if you can do a little bit of homework or ask somebody who knows and will tell you what to buy it it pays dividends if you if you just which is what we do we we taste loads of wine and we try and cut the chaff out and, and get left with the the real sort of gold nuggets in there which are the really lovely ones. Yeah, to suit ones. everybody as well. So you can come in and buy a yeah, treat wine. Yeah, price, you can get anything, and you can come in and get something really really tasty at really good value as well. Yeah, I think you, the the. You take, try and taste a lot of wines because that, that narrows down um, what you like and the styles of wine, the flavours of wine, producers of wine, grape varieties, all of these things that you, you narrow it down the more you taste. And so you're, you're trying to eliminate some of the labels on the shelf that you're, you're perhaps not going to like as much. So it focuses your choice a little bit more. And if you can associate what you've tasted and what your experiences are with the labels life becomes so much better we'll just take a picture take a picture yeah, <laughs> and, and point it at the that's at yeah the counter it's helpful counter, it yeah. does help though yeah, yeah okay last one okay was um thank the lord i'm starving is <laughs> a vintage port oh yes which i know we tend to sell mainly only at christmas or for someone's birthday or a birth year or oh, a particular quite fancy year a glass of port there but that be nice? super delicious and vintage mm. ports are quite rare to get some aged ones, mm-hmm. and they're really interesting. 
Yes, they but are. they are quite expensive. Yes, so they, they have to come, if it's called port, it has to come from Portugal, it has to come from the Douro Valley, east of Oporto. Okay? Yes, it's a fortified there. wine, so it's a normal red wine that's had clear, neutral spirit add, added to it. Um, they would call it brandy because it's grape-based, but it doesn't look like brandy, it looks like grappa or vodka. And then they age the wine in oak to soften it, and it's a 20% strength wine the vintage port will come from the very best of the exceptional years they declare the best a vintage, years don't and they? The, their best vineyards as well um and will it be expensive but they you can age a, a vintage port for decades so it gives you long they release them within two years is that right they age, they them, age them for two, two years, years then in, release them oak and then yeah and then release them so the, yeah. yeah so the idea is that you could buy one and stash it yeah. so we knew that 2011 was going to be a vintage before they declared it so they they so, that de- they decide that with 2011 it's going to be really good amongst the the board the port legal board and the producers um and then they producers will declare they're going to make a vintage port that year um and then they're allowed to make a, a certain amount so they port producers get allocated the spirit to be able to make the port so there's a little bit of control of the market but you so could sort you of don't you have loads of vintage look ahead you don't you? Have none so the so. 2011s we knew was going to be a vintage so we got that in in 2013 2014 whenever we'd managed to get our hands on it our niece evie was born in 2011 yeah who does our little intros and outros for the podcast yeah so then don't we contacted so then we port. contacted our brother-in-law and said you need to buy 12 bottles of this yeah that's <laughs> the same done. yeah you only, you only 12 <laughs> and then sold. when she's 18 she can sell them back to us she can she won't want them she <laughs> wants to drink vodka instead and have the cash hopefully <laughs> so so an alternative would be late bottled vintage port which is uh Good fruit still, but not the very top fruit, but it does have really good fruit in there. It's aged for four years in oak before release and is £15 compared to £30 or £40 of a vintage port. And then, um, actually it's a bit more than that now, isn't it? I was going to say about 20. 20. And then the the baby version of that would be Ruby, 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 uh, which is a blend of different years and uh, is just meant to be very simple, very fruit-driven, least complicated, aged up to three years, smash it. It's kind of like a red wine. (laughs) But like like the Neeport Ruby and Tawny that we've got, the Ruby's delicious. I mean, it's like, it's just like having a slightly sweeter red wine. You could easily drink the bottle, have it a little bit chilled, kind of cellar temperature. I think in more recent years, the, the, the style has changed into a more, it's easier to drink when young. I remember having ports, vintage ports, younger vintage ports when I was younger and you couldn't get near them. It was all alcohol and oak and fruit was in the background somewhere. Now everything's made to drink. Now. Quite now. Yeah. Silky smooth, <laughs> lovely. Bit yeah. of dried fruit, nuts, chocolate. Yum. Drink it, sort of floating around in a swimming pool. That'd be good, wouldn't it? It's <laughs> been done before. Well, you we should really have a white port then. You want to get in the white port and tonic. Yeah. yeah. So there are options, is what you're saying. There are lots of options. So yes, good. hopefully useful for consumers, yes. customers. Yes. And if you're going out to buy them and you're not coming to our shop, you have a little bit of knowledge. Yes. 
always but if ask, you ask I was going to say, ask for help. If in doubt, Wherever just you ask are. for recommendations. Same in the restaurant. Don't be scared. The, the, the restaurant staff probably pour more of those bottles than you'll ever see. So they have the experience, hopefully. They're there to be tipped. So get them working and get them making recommendations. Yeah. All right, next time, next month, we're back for the Queen's Jubilee. Are we? Okay. We're doing a Jubilee special. That would be a divider, wouldn't it? (laughs) Excellent. Can we go go and have some wine and some parties now? Thanks. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, wine learners.